title of the message is God's Design for Marriage Has Not Changed, Part 2. Please stand with me as I pray. Lord, we honor you today for your goodness, and we thank you for your righteousness and the word of God, for the devotion that has already gone forth, and for your people, the giftings that you've given. We pray today that as we prepare to end our summer vacation and return to the Bible study, we thank you for the refreshing time and pray that, Lord, as we gather together, that we will once again delve into your word, that application will be made. And then as we pray, as we pray now, we pray that you will stir the hearts of people to hear the word of God. Those that are not here, we lift up in a special way. Pray for their bodies. Again, we thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get to the, the passage, which will be um, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, before I read... I, I, read that, I want to just share something that happened the other day, uh, Monday, and again, Letitia seems to be right in those places to be a witness. <laughs> On Monday, I was at the church, and afternoon, I was, had some things to do, I was going to go to the office in Santa Rafael, I've been doing some work here, and I came out, and I had a flat tire, and I said, oh, man, so... And I think that's the same day that we had a building inspection. So I'm back working. I said, well, I'll deal with that in, in a little bit later. I'm going to get up to the, to the shop or go over to Mill Valley and have the tire taken care of. But at 7 o'clock, 10 to 7, I left the church and forgot I had a flat tire. Got in the car and started driving up the hill, something feel right, and it dawned on me. You got a flat tire. I turned right around where I used to live, Park Circle, right there on Drake and Park Circle, came right back to the church, pulled here, and parked the car. I didn't feel like changing the tire that night. So I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to catch the bus up to San Rafael and take the train home. So I looked at the schedule and said, the bus is going to be in about 8 to 10 minutes. So I figured out what I wanted to take and left some things there and started running down to the bus stop. Brought back the old days when I used to run. I ran and walked most of the way. Ran, walked. I used to always, I used to could run the whole time before, no, I ran and walked. I ran down the stairs and across the street and started walking. <laughs> Got to the bus stop and within two minutes the bus came. Got on the bus. Took me to San Rafael. By the time I got to San Rafael, three, four minutes later, the train came. I got on the train. When I got on the train, there was a lady that was on the train. Um, and, you know, when you come, you know, you got different sections you can get in. And so she sat right across from me, and I'm sitting um, just a couple seats back. And she said something, and she just mentioned something to me, and we started talking. And she said, have you ever heard of tapping? Have I've heard of this technique, but don't know how much about it. And so she started talking. Then she moved to the seat next to me on the other side. And from the time of San Rafael all the way to Katati, me and this lady talked. And it seemed like the history, she told me her life story. And then she said to me, you look like a person that can give good advice. I need some advice from you. Just met the lady. And so I told her, she told me the situation, just told her my thoughts. And he said, well, thank you. That's very helpful. 
We were the only ones in that section, because the others were, a couple were up there, and, and just talked interrupt, without interruption. And I'm thinking, look at how good God is. I called Mel today, um, I need you to, if you would come and pick me up from the train station. Normally I would walk from there, but I didn't feel like walking from there that night. So she came and picked me up, and so I decided the next day I will catch the bus, the train back to San Rafael, and then back to Marin City. So I looked at the schedule and said, oh, my goodness, there's a train coming in 10 minutes, but I'm still at the house. And so I sat on the stairs and says, do I try to make it or do I not? The next train is at 1.15. So I decided, I said, no, what should I do? You should go to try to make it. So I drove the van over to the station. And by the time I parked and was walking across the street, I heard the train coming. And I come up to the platform and I look and there is a person that I used to, used to be his boss, me Floyd Jackson. Floyd is standing there on the platform, and I touched him on his back. I said, hey, I ain't seen him in a long time. So me and Floyd talked. We talked from the time of the train station. Then we got on the same bus because he was coming to Marin City because he was going to his mom's house. His mom was 99 years old, and the family trades off in taking care of his mom, and me and Floyd were able to talk from the time of being on the train from Katari. Then we caught the bus, and then walked up the hill together, talking, catching up. And I said, Lord, you are just too much. Incredible. So I went on to change the tire to my car, and when I had the car up, a person came by and said, this is a Kodak moment, and took a picture, Leticia, <laughs> and then sent it to me. I said, Lord, have mercy. Changed the tire, took it around to Mill Valley, and I was going to do some work there. And by the time I got my computer and everything out, they said, well, your tire is no good. So I had to get a new tire. So I decided, no, I'm going to Diamond, the way I normally go in San Rafael, and order the tire. I said, come back tomorrow. Went back the next day, got the tire changed. I left on the freeway, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, your tire lock. I was about a mile from North San Pedro exit heading home. I pulled off and said, tire lock, and started looking and said, I don't see my tire lock. I'm thinking, if I got a problem, I can't get the tires off. I called the diamond center back and said, can't find my, my tire lock to my, to my tires. They said, we're still here, so you can come back. We don't see It's not here. I turned around and went back. The whole shop started looking for the tire lock. Two workers walked out to the street and found the tire lock in the street. They forgot to take it off of the tire or of the, of the wheel and put it and give it to me. And I sat there and said, Lord, you know you are too much. Yes. Told me on the way home your tire lock. And one of the things I prayed for years ago, I said, Lord, make me sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because I told you before, I was missing when the Lord was speaking. Oh, that's not the Lord. And come to find out it was the Lord speaking. There's often a very still, small voice. If you are a believer, the Lord speaks to you. You've got to learn not to tune the Lord out. Even the small things of life, things that you don't even consider important, the Lord cares about. Every concern, everything. So don't ever think that something is too small. So as we're looking and looking, I'm kind of thinking, oh, my goodness. And I saw them walk out in the street as you come out the parking lot. It was there. 
Listen to the voice of the Lord. Obey when he speaks. Turn with me in the Bible to Ephesians. That went on for a while, but that's all right. I'm not, not going to keep you past time either. But that's, that's just want to encourage you what God does. God orchestrates the events of his children's life. You may have something planned, but God will orchestrate the events of your life. Got your whole day planned out, and it don't turn out anything like you expected. God has a plan for you. That's just the God that we serve. Ephesians chapter 5. Beginning at verse 25, you can follow on the board as Brother George has it there. And this is what it says. I'm going to pick back up at 25, go to 32. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the connection, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I'm going to stop there. The first point last week that we dealt with was wives' unique role in marriage. We talked about wives, their unique roles in marriage. Then we went to point two, which I'm going to continue with today, that point, which was the husband is to love his wife. The husband is to love his wife. There were three points at the end of the message that I said that Paul basically addressed. There was the emphasis of three things in the verses 26 and 27, and that was that Christ gave himself up for the church to sanctify the church. He gave himself to the church to sanctify To set that church apart, to to make it holy. Sanctification deals with being set apart for God's exclusive use. The second thing that we noted was it was having cleansed her by the washing of water. And the third was it was a washing with the word. The washing with the word. Today we continue with point number two in verse 28. In the same way, husbands should Love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Examples can be hard to come by, and so we often are looking to someone else to be the example. Pastor Sam Hines, my dad would say, if you cannot find an example, be one. The husband is called to love his wife in the same way that Christ loves his body, the church. The example of who is to follow is laid out in verses 25 through 27. Christ is the example and is expressed, and he expresses his love to the church. It is fascinating.
fascinating that the Lord uses marriage as the example of how he relates to the church, of how Christ loves the church. He uses marriage as that example. Marriage is not just something, as I told you, that man made up. They didn't make it up. It comes straight from the throne. It was something that God said, God put into place, and then Paul picks up here and shows the analogy, the example of how marriage is a representation, an example of how Christ loves the church. The comparison of Christ's love for his bride, the church, it caused the husband to look into what Jesus did and then the pattern that he set forth. Men should look to Christ. As the example, if the example of marriage is not based on what Christ did for the church, then a couple of things. Number one, if they're the example, if the person is not looking for Christ as the example, people will get bored of one another and want a different scene. They will want a different scene when they get bored with one another. The focus will be lost, and it will be based not on the covenant relationship, but it will be based on your feelings. Feelings cannot dictate covenant relationships. I told you at times you may not feel married. If you're married, but you still are. <laughs> if you are married and you wake up, I don't feel married. And your spouse is there, you are still married. So people get bored of one another and often want a different scene. You must be careful that the primary focus is not lost. I'm amazed at how Paul and how Christ used this example. The love of Christ, what he did for the body, is expressed in marriage. The second thing is the charge here has been given to the man. Husbands are to love their wife. The love of the husband for the wife should be as he loves his own body. Paul is talking about rules rather than um, aberrations or things that may cause a person to give up. He's not talking about those situations to where a person does not love himself, but he's talking about a person does not do things to hurt themselves. They take care of their body. Just like the the husband loves himself, and this is shown by how he takes care of himself. He is to love his wife in the same way. The promise of Christ is that he is coming back for the church. And then he changes his mind. We would always be in a state of panic because we wouldn't know what to expect. If Christ was in the habit of going back and forth and changing his mind, we wouldn't be settled. But Christ loves the church and he's coming back for the church. Therefore, we need to be in the body of Christ. Verse 29 says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because, why? We are members of his body. We take care of our bodies. When we get hungry, we eat. When our feet hurt, we rub them or try to find some warm water and put some Epsom salt in that water. When our feet are hurt, we try to remove our shoes if they're too tight to get some relief. As I'm going through to this kinesiologist, he, he, he says, we need to take care of our feet because it carries a whole load. Can you imagine how important the feet are? It supports the whole body. So we take care of our feet. We look to that, that just the part.
there and we nurture it and we pamper it. And when it hurts, we go, oh, my corns or whatever may be hurting. Christ loved the church and he has placed people in the church and gifted the church so that the church can operate. He loved the church so much that he left gifts for the body of Christ. So that the church could help meet the needs of the body spiritually, physically, so that the church could function. That's how much he loves. He didn't leave us without help. A husband's love for his wife is shown in how he takes care of himself, right? And then how he takes care of his wife. Because if he loves himself, the Bible says that's what he uses to show that he loves his wife. If a husband never goes to work, I love you, but never leaves the house, you would say, you don't love me? <laughs> Every once in a while, a person pampers themselves. and says, you know what? I've been working so hard, I'm going to pamper myself. I'm going to give myself a vacation. I know I'm, I'm going to do something special just for me. Why? Because you feel that you're important. You, just, you, you deserve it. So you take care of that. He says, no one ever hated his flesh. Paul says, that doesn't happen, but we take care of the body. We take care of. And he's using this to show how the love is expressed. It would be an awful thing if a husband and wife went to dinner, got the menu, the wife doesn't have anything, and she looks, but the husband ordered for himself and ate right in front of the wife and says, you are on your own. That would be a sad thing. You are on your own, and she sits there and watches. That's not love. It would make you upset if you heard a story like that actually taking place. But it happens. It happens. But what happens? The waitress or the waiter comes and the husband says, go ahead and order. So I haven't made up my mind. And the waiter and waitress sometimes say, I can come back. And they may come back and then allows the wife to order. And, or she says, I'm not sure. You go ahead and order first. And he may order. Then she orders. And they eat together. He says, I'll take care of the bill. One would expect that. One would assume that. He shows his love by what he does. How do we know that Christ loves us because of what he's done for us? The fact that he gave everything. You, you, you see, the important thing that we've got to remember and understand is this. Christ started with perfection in the body of Christ. We are the ones that left him. He came back and he came and did a work. He set everything in place. In order that we could have, again, that relationship, that right relationship with him, because we blew it. He expressed and showed his love in that so that we could be with him forever. When we then take what God has given us, and we never do anything to honor him or say, I'm cutting you short, it shows a disrespect to God. It shows, I don't appreciate you. When God says, Bring to me and show your love in this way. And we say no or that's too much and we don't do it. It shows that we don't love him. When the Lord has poured his abundant blessing upon us. And sometimes it just may be because people don't know. But when somebody says, you know better, then you should do better. Thank God that he's forgiven because he helps us. And when things are cleaned up, it helps us. The thing that you struggle with the most. That's the very thing that you need to understand that you may need to give to God. You need to help him. To, you need to trust him in that area of your life. There 
are some people that have great faith when they don't see anything around. Then there are some people who only have faith with what they see. That I don't see it, I can't do it. Faith is not something where it it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It means that you believe God, if he said it, is going to take place, even though you don't see how it's going to happen. You may not see all the results, but God says, this is what I'm going to do. And again, we oftentimes use the analogy of giving, because what? Giving is expressed, it shows really how we love God. See, the thing that we understand is that love is an act of giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was a matter of him giving himself. When we hold on to that which God says, trust me in this area of your life. Let me take care of your affairs. Let me show you what I'll do. God will do the very thing that you would never think that he would do. Things that you have even forgotten about. The Lord hasn't forgotten about them. You might have been praying for something way back yonder, and you forgot about it and thought it's not going to happen. And lo and behold, it comes to pass, and then your mind goes back to, oh, I remember I had been praying for that. When Zachariah and Elizabeth were going to have a child, when the angel says, you're going to have a child, they had been praying before, when, before Christ came, that God would bless them with the son. When Zachariah went into that temple, began to pray and to do his duties, I should say, he was given a message, you're going to have a son. He says, your prayers have been answered. It is believed he had long stopped praying because he was just old at that time. Was there nothing happening there between him and his wife in regards to having any children? And so this was a prayer that had been prayed before. And a prayer that no longer, it is believed, was being prayed anymore. But the angel that had been sent by God says, God has heard, he's heard your prayer as if it was current. <laughs> Because he doubted, the Lord said through the angel, because you doubted, you're not going to be able to speak until this happens. Gave him the name that the child was supposed to have. And so when the time came for John to be born, and they're saying, oh, 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 he's going to be, he's going to be named after his father. What's his name? And the mother says, he's going to be named John. They go, huh? You don't have anybody in your family named John? Let's forget what Elizabeth said. Uh, what is your son going to be called? And he couldn't talk, but he got something, and he wrote it out. His name is John. And the moment he did, the Bible says his mouth was loose, and he began to praise God. God gave him his voice right then to speech. Because why? He honored the Lord. God knows how to take care of his promises. Tell you, years ago, Things are so tight. So I'm like, we're going to give no matter what. And because we were both on the same page of giving, God bless. Tell you, how are we going to make it? Don't know. In the red 10 years, how are we going to make it? I don't know, but we're going to give our tithes and offering. We're going to give. Why? Because God is faithful. We got some food, got some hot dogs and fries. That's good. Let's put them on. <laughs> got a share program down there. Let's go down and get a bag. Never missed a meal. When we trust God, 
When we believe it, we will, we will put our faith in him. We will do what he says. We'll change. We, will, we will even challenge him in his words. So God, you said this. Let me put you to the test. You said I can put you to the test in these areas. See, there's an often misunderstood passage when people say that God, when the windows will be overflowing, that you would have no needs. No, God, it means God will do everything to meet the need that you have at that time. There will be an abundance. There, there's a need that you have. God says, I'll take care of it. Don't look, how is this going to happen? God says, I'll take care of it. He did it with this, this, car, this carpet and the covering of these pews. Even though we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. I heard his voice. And then we made plans. Let's pick it, pick it out. God came through. Don't cheapen God's grace and his mercy. God loves the church. He likens the body of his church to that between a husband and a wife. It is noteworthy that the Bible says that man is to leave father and mother and to hold fast to his wife. Therefore, a man shall leave his father, verse 31, and mother, his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. Now listen to what, listen to what he says. This mystery... Paul says is profound, and he says, I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This matter, when he mentions this here, he says it's profound, but it points to the church of Christ. One of the thoughts that came to me, when the Bible says that a man should leave his father and mother, it can be oftentimes difficult because oftentimes sons are oftentimes attached to their moms. Many times it is hard to... Pull, pull away, or the family. And, 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 and when I was looking at this, one of the thoughts that came to mind was the Israelites were always being pulled by foreign gods and entities and various things. When you read the book of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you will find in that path in the passages of Scripture that the Bible often makes mention of those kings that were good and those kings that were bad, or those kings that did evil, and those kings that followed the Lord. And there was often something that they didn't do. They often didn't tear down the high places. There was a torn allegiance often with God. Even though those kings, even that loved God and followed him, there was something the Bible says, but they didn't do this. The Lord was requiring total separation to himself so that he could show that I love you. There could be no competing force in the sense of those other gods. I'm God. I'm the Savior. I'm your deliverer. Paul and his, his, his analogy in marriage as they are to leave and to become a unit, it compares to the Christ that God wants his church exclusively. It doesn't mean that you don't have relation, but the change of affections towards the family and the wife or the mother and father changes. When we consider what Christ has done for the church and that you have eternity to look forward to being with him, what is the thing that keeps you from being totally committed to him? What in your life prevents you from being totally committed to him. What, what is there in your life that you have a problem trusting God for? 
What's in your life that you have a problem believing that God will take care of it? What do you think is too important to give to God? There was nothing that he withheld from us. So why would you hold back from God when he says, I'll more than take care of your needs? Children of Israel often went into captivity because they refused to devote themselves totally to God. You are going to be tried in the very areas of your life in your relationship with Christ. You're going to be tried with the very thing you struggle with. It is Christ who has come and taken the church unto himself. Has become the one who is to be looked to solely as the one to meet the needs of his bride. That's why it's important of who you connect to because the example is that is a representation of Christ's love for the church. Never saw it like that before as I began to go into the study of this passage. Why is there such an attack from Satan? Because he knows the church is the apple of God's eye and that Christ's love is poured into the church. So Satan tries to destroy marriages. That's his aim. He hates Christ and therefore he goes after it with a vengeance and throws everything else in it to try to take away from the impact that God had set in place. The church has to be so careful that they don't buy into the culture and their definition of marriage. Because why? It's a relationship that shows Christ's love to the church and what he did for his body. Our praise in giving, our praise and thanksgiving can never adequately express our love for God because we don't have the, the right words. But he takes that what we have and he accepts it. And the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us so that when we worship and honor God in thanksgiving, when we bring our gifts to him, the Holy Spirit allows that to be a, a sacrifice, like an offering, an offering that is a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. You know what gives God glory? is when you trust him, when you just know nothing's going to work in and of yourself. You are sometimes even thinking, God, I don't even say how you going to do this. I'm doubting. I'm having a hard time. Tell you that when I was, <laughs> I've, I've lived for, I don't know, how, 20, over 20 years, 25 years, always up this job. Are we going to get funding this year? What's going to happen? It's always been a matter of faith in my job. Always. Don't know where the funding going to come from. Don't know what's going to happen. Tanika was praying for a job, couldn't get a job for two years. Maybe more, but at least two years. Then God blessed her with the job. Then blessed her with even standing on there and being faithful with a different job. And I look at this and I say, faithfulness. I look at Sister Lene. I look at her life and God blessed her when she left the one school. Opened up another avenue for her in a different school. Blessed her. You have similar situations and testimonies of what God has done. What are you going to do to show God that you trust him completely because he's given everything to you? He has expressed his love, the fact that he laid down his life. 
and for me. <laughs> Remember, the marriage was a symbol of the real love that Christ has. It was used as a symbol. Christ died for us. So my prayer even now says, oh God, bless me so I can bless you. That's my, that's how I pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, me be a blessing. And if you're not careful, he'll do it. He'll say, I want you to bless that person over there. He'll let you know, I want you to bless that person. I want you to take something to that person. Ask God to do it. Lord, show somebody that I can be a blessing to today. He'll do it. Even when you forgot what you prayed. God's love for the church goes beyond, it's beyond measures, beyond your ability to comprehend. Don't cheapen your blessings by trying to shortchange and shortcut God in your praise, in your worship, in your giving, in your living. When you're having a hard time, say, God, I need help. I'm having a hard time. That's why he's there. He loves the church. I'm struggling, Lord, right now. No matter what it is. Go to your private closet and say, Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, I need help here. God, I want to do this. I want you to get the glory and watch and see what God will do. And you get this and remember this. You will be getting the dividends throughout all eternity. What you do right now for Christ will pay dividends throughout all. It will pay dividends throughout all eternity. Don't, don't think that what you're doing now is not being counted. Stay encouraged. Know that he loves you. The fact that he has a great reward for you. Stand with me, please. God's love affairs with the body, his church. <laughs> Told husbands love as I love the church. Husbands, just like you love your own body, love your wife. Those that are getting married, if you, you may not even be, it may not happen, doesn't change the fact, even if you're not going to be in a relationship at all, it doesn't change the fact that you are in the body and the promises to you. Because remember, it's the church, the body, that Christ expresses his love for you. If you're in the church, you are in good standing. Lord, we love you today. Oh, my God, for the love that you have given and shown. May we be, Lord, producers of good works in you and allow you to get all the praise. Lord, wrap everything around Christ and give and say, Lord, what can I do to show my appreciation? How can I give you thanksgiving and praise? Lord, take my inadequate words and make them presentable to you. Oh, my God, we bless and magnify your holy name. Oh, show yourself um, in ways that, God, we have never seen before that allow our trust in you to go deeper. We thank you right now. We bless you right now. We honor you right now. For those, God, that are looking to marry, we pray for the women that, God, you will lead them in such a way that they'll choose the right mate. Those husbands and those potential wives, we pray that, God, it will be done for your glory. Those that will remarry, we pray that you give guidance and direction to them in Jesus' name. And we pray that, God, that you will make it very, very clear. 
Oh my God, that that marriage uh, shows the love that Christ has for the church. Uh, we magnify you today. Uh, we exalt you today uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, we pray that you will be glorified. Uh, we pray that you will be exalted. Uh, and as we leave, Lord, today, uh, would you keep us in your protection and marvelous care. We magnify you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank the Lord.